I encourage you, if you will, to turn with me in your copy of God's Holy Word to Psalm 138. Psalm 138. And if you are physically able this morning, I ask that you will stand with us as we read all eight verses of Psalm 138 and allow the Lord to speak to us through His Word today. Beginning in verse 1. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods I sing your praise. I bow down towards your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul you increase. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord. For they have heard the words of your mouth, and they shall sing of the ways of the Lord. For great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word today. Thank you, and you may be seated. Father, again we come to you after a precious time of you speaking to us through your word. I pray, Lord, that you would use me to fulfill your purpose in this house today. And Lord, that you would fill me with your spirit and instruct my mind, Lord, and guide it. And Lord, may my tongue and voice be an instrument to proclaim your goodness. That, Lord, it will draw us unto the throne of grace where we shall see the many blessings and the goodness that you have poured out from that throne. A beautiful river for us to drink from. And Lord, that you will be praised and honored and glorified this morning. And that your saints will find strength and encouragement, discipline if needed, Lord. And that sinners will come to see the free grace given to them from yourself and the cross that you bore. I ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ for his sake and for his glory. Amen. Ecclesiastes 3, I'm not going to, I don't ask you to turn there, but Ecclesiastes 3, you remember that that is the scripture that there is a time or a season for everything under the sun. And down in verse 7, I believe it is, of Ecclesiastes 3, it tells us there is a time to be silent, which I'm not always good at, and then there is a time to speak. There is a time to be silent. There is a time to speak boldly. You know, if you, uh, we read this beautiful psalm this morning, a psalm that most people attribute to King David, and these eight verses boldly proclaim the majesty and the goodness of God towards his people. 
It is interesting that when we think of Ecclesiastes 3 and then in the Psalms, the Psalm before, Psalm 137, and if you've never read that, I would encourage you to. It's probably the uh, quietest, if you will, and really the darkest psalm, I think, in the Psalms. And it's, it's a psalm that really, even though it is a psalm, they're recognizing they're in captivity and they have no song to sing. How can they sing the songs of Zion when they're captives in a foreign and strange land surrounded by pagan gods? And then you come to Psalm 138 and it is this bold, open proclamation of God's goodness. It is an open and bold thanksgiving psalm to God. There is a time to be silent and there is a time to speak. And may God grant us the grace uh, to know when to be silent and then when to speak. You know, but every day we give thanks to God. And sometimes we do that privately. We, we should do that every day privately in our private devotions, in our time of prayer, in our time of reading the Scriptures. We should be giving praise and thanks to God. There are times we not only do it privately, but there's times we do it uh, in small groups, quietly, if you will. With a friend, we speak over the phone, or we speak face-to-face, or at the coffee shop, and we talk about the goodness of God and how thankful we are to God for His many benefits. Sometimes we do that in our families, uh, behind closed doors. There are times we do it privately. There are times we do it quietly, if you will. But, beloved, there are times in the Christian life that we should give thanksgiving to God boldly and openly where the world might hear us. There is a time to be quiet, there's a time to be silent, but there is a time to speak. And in Psalm 137, we see this quiet, really dark, somber psalm. And then we come to Psalm 138, and it is bold, it is open, it is with the whole heart. You know, some complain that we do not really celebrate the holiday of Thanksgiving anymore. Or what we mean by that, there seems to be little emphasis upon it. And I I would agree with that. In the last few years, uh, even in our nation, there's a lot less emphasis on the time and the season and the purpose behind Thanksgiving. But I want to say this. Celebrating the holiday Thanksgiving in America does not necessarily equate with openly giving thanks to God. It does not equate with that. Celebrating and getting together with family is wonderful. I did it too and enjoyed it. But that doesn't mean you've done something holy or righteous. It just means you've celebrated an American holiday and you ate a lot of food like I did. You got did that with maybe your spouse or a friend or many family members. But that, that was nothing holy or sacred, so to speak, in that sense, in devotion to God. Was it sacred? Yes. But not necessarily. It didn't mean that you were giving thanks to God. Maybe you did. Maybe you didn't. There is a time to speak. Billy Graham said, Nothing will do more to restore contentment and the joy of our salvation than a true spirit of thankfulness. Nothing restores the joy and contentment of our faith than a true, genuine spirit of thankfulness. 
whether you do that privately at times, whether you do that quietly at times with a few others, but especially openly. And I'd say there is a season for each. There is a time for each. What does a bold declaration of thanksgiving look like? It would do us well to boldly declare how thankful we are to God. Openly praising the Lord. What does it look like according to the Scripture? What is a bold thanksgiving declaration? Well, looking at Psalm 138, look again at the beginning of verse 1. I will give thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. With the whole heart. And so first I would say what a bold thanksgiving declaration looks like is it is done with wholeness. The whole heart. Our whole heart, our mind, our body, and our soul. Our whole being is not restrained by what others think. How many things of our religious practices are stifled by fear of what other people think? Whether that not only be in here in the place of worship, or whether it be out in the public arena. How many things, how many times have we stifled our thanksgiving to God, our praises to God, the gospel proclamation, the declaration of God's goodness because of fear of what people thought about us if we were to speak it? I'm guilty. Are you? Oh, I have been. And and it is a fleshly inclination, quick to stop us in our tracks so many times when we are fearful of what other people will think about us. And the amazing thing I've thought about, you know, uh, we are not fearful to sing praises about many other things. We're not fearful to give our opinions about many other things. We will fight over politics. We'll fight over the top 25 We'll argue over many other things, but when it comes to praise and thanksgiving of God, I have found myself and many other Christians quick to clam up because we are fearful of the problems we might stir up in the room that we're in. David is saying, I praise you with my whole heart and nothing will stop me from praising you. My whole mind, my body, my soul, my tongue, with my whole heart, I give thanksgiving to God before others. There is a time to speak. There is a time to give the Lord glory that is due His name with wholeness of our being. We're not restrained by whether others join us or not. I don't know if girls are like this, but I'll tell you, boys are like this. We're impulsive and just plain ignorant at times, but we'll take a dare. And sometimes we'll do something crazy, even if it's by ourselves, just to show the other boys that we're better than them, or or we're less fearful than them, or we're tougher than them. But David is saying, I'm going to praise God whether anyone joins me or not. I want to ask you this today, and you think about this. If, no, if you knew nobody else was coming to church next week, would you still come? 
So we all have to answer that. If you knew nobody else was coming, but you knew in your heart you still needed to go to the place of worship and openly give the Lord praise, and you didn't use all this this, uh, garbage, modern Christianity philosophy that you don't need the church, that is terribly unbiblical, and you didn't go for all that, but if you knew nobody else was coming, would you still come? Would you still have your car parked out front that others might see? Well, not many are there, but someone's there. I have decided to follow Jesus. We know the words of that old hymn. No turning back, no turning back. And one of those verses speaks, Though none go with me, still I'll follow. Whether my friends go, it doesn't matter. I'm still giving thanks to God with my whole being. Whether it is popular or not, I will go. I will allow my family to see me giving thanksgiving to God and praises to His holy name. With wholeness, we come to God. It is a bold proclamation, a declaration of not only our faith, but how thankful we are to God. Do you remember the story when the Ark of the Covenant was coming home and King David had brought the Ark of the Covenant, which was God's presence and blessings with his people. And when they were bringing that into Jerusalem, David danced. Baptists, we don't read that scripture much. But David danced. Uninhibitedly, he did not care if anyone else was dancing. He was glad the presence of God was coming back to Jerusalem among God's people. And uninhibited, he stripped down and he danced unto the Lord and gave him thanks with his whole heart. He didn't care what others thought and his wife mocked him. Look at the king down there dancing like a fool. In front of everyone, David did not care. He did not care what others thought, and he did not care whether others joined him or not. He gave him praise. We praise the Lord with wholeness. Time would not allow us to speak this morning of the dangers of half-heartedness, but I will say this. We blame many things for the problem of America, of our shortcomings and weaknesses. And we'll blame the government for taking prayer out of schools. But I want to say this, that's not the government's job, that's the Christian's job. And the problem with with many of our ailments in the government or in our nation, I do not lay that upon somebody that doesn't know Jesus anyway. That is half-heartedness through decades within the church of not giving our whole heart to God. If the church would be revived today and give a bold proclamation and declaration of thanksgiving where the world could see us, where we would speak of His praises with our whole heart, there would be a great and mighty awakening. I believe God blesses where His people come to praise Him. And if the church would be revived and come to the Lord giving thanks with their whole heart, all the mighty things that God would do through the words and actions and deeds 
of our lives. We give the Lord thanks with our whole heart, but we also do it with boldness. Look at the latter part of verse 1, and this is uh, quite an amazing verse that David said, Before the gods, small g, I sing your praise. Before the gods. Now, some people have uh, interpreted that to mean the angels. Before the angels. But I don't believe like some commentators that's what he's speaking about. I believe David is the king of Israel. And he's saying here that I'm going to go before the false gods of this world and I'm going to give my God, the one true God, uppercase G, the thanks and praise that he is worthy. I'm going to go into a world that does not know God and I'm going to give him thanks and praise loudly and boldly. If it means I step inside the high places set up for the worship of these pagan gods, I'll walk right amongst them and I'll tell them how good my God is, the one true living God. It is done openly before the false gods of this world. Why should the gods of this world rob the living God of His glory? How many things do we give praise many times so openly that become false gods of this world? Now, when we say false gods, we don't like to admit that we have false gods because we understand, I doubt anybody in here is or has ever bowed down to a statue and given it worship. But there are many false gods in America today. And we are still tempted with them every day. David said, I'll boldly go before the gods of this world and I'll praise and give thanks to my God. Why should the gods of this world rob the living God of His glory? Why should we praise our sports team more than our God? All the many other gods of this world, why should they get more praise and thanks than our God that has been so good to us? Beloved, I want to tell you this, the hallelujah chorus always wins the battle. And David said boldly, I'll go before the gods and I'll sing your praise. You remember that story of when Jesus Christ is coming into Jerusalem, the final week, as he prepared to enter Jerusalem to go to the cross of Calvary and he came in in that triumphal entry, as it is called. And they threw their garments in the path and they shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! And they laid their palm branches before him. And the Pharisees, the religious people, didn't like it. And they went to Jesus and they told him, You need to tell your people to calm down. You need to tell your people to shut up. You need to tell them to quit this garbage of proclaiming the Lord's Word as you come into town. And Jesus Christ proclaimed to them and He told them, if they don't, then the rocks will cry out. My praises will be proclaimed. Thanksgiving will be declared, whether it be by the people or by the rocks. I will be honored. A bold thanksgiving declaration is done with our whole heart and it was done with boldness before the gods of this world. 
Thirdly, it was done with humbleness. Look at verses 2 and 3 and then verse 6. He says, I bow down towards your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul you increased. For, for though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly. But the haughty he knows from afar, or the proud. A bold declaration of thanksgiving is not only done with wholeness, not only done with boldness, but it is also done with humility. We bow to the person of Jesus Christ. We bow our heads. We bow our hearts. Physically, we might even and need to at times bow our bodies to show reverence and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we do that towards the temple. Jesus Christ is that temple now. Jesus Christ is a temple. We bow to Him and we praise Him for the many good blessings that He has bestowed upon us for salvation, for rescue from hell and damnation, for sealing us with the Holy Spirit, for preparing a home for us in heaven. We humbly come to Him, realizing that upon our own strength, upon our own works, our own goodness, our own accord, we are undeserving of heaven and are deserving of hell. And yet in His matchless love and grace, He went to the cross and became as we are so that we could become like Him. We should bow towards Christ humbly acknowledging His steadfast love, His unmovable love, His faithfulness to us, even when we are so unfaithful to Him. I've been grieved in heart this week over two opportunities I had to at least in some way share the good news of Jesus Christ. And in my flesh, I didn't even think about it until I left. And those two times have grieved me, and I've asked the Lord, give me another opportunity with those people. I don't know, I was too busy, my mind was somewhere else, but two times this week, God forgive me for not speaking your goodness. The point I'm trying to make is I'm so faithless at times. I'm so unfaithful to Him at times. And yet, God has continued to draw me this week and bring forgiveness and compassion to my life. And I know, because I know our God, He will give me more opportunities to speak of His goodness. He is faithful. I am unfaithful. He is the shepherd. I am a sheep that goes astray at times and is too ignorant even to know where the still waters are to drink from, where the green grass is to feed from. And He takes His rod and leads me along in my journey. This is humility. Not thinking that all of a sudden because we've arrived at this point in creation that we've got everything figured out, but we are humbly coming to Him and praising Him and giving Him thanks for His goodness, for His steadfast love, for His faithfulness to us even when we are unfaithful. Let God be true and every man a liar. That's coming to Him humbly. Believing that our 
Salvation and strength does not come from us, but from God. The psalmist David said, On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul, you increased. I did not increase the strength of my soul. You increased it, O God, when I called out to you. You came to me with steadfast love and compassion. And you fed me and you nourished me. And you put me on the path that is safe and good for my life. Also, a bold declaration of thanksgiving is done with authoritativeness. With authority. Look at verses 4 and 5. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth, and they shall sing of the ways of the Lord. This is an amazing thing. That God would use my thanksgiving unto Him to influence others. You remember the psalm where it says God is enthroned on the praises of Israel? God is enthroned when we speak thanksgiving and praise to His name. When others hear it, they're seeing God on a throne. Not physically with their eyes, with their ears, with their mind, with their soul. They're seeing God enthroned through the lips of our thanksgiving and praise. And they are being influenced by our words. Now, we cannot save anyone. We know that. That is done through the Holy Spirit. But is not the Holy Spirit using our words to influence others? Is not the Holy Spirit using our thanksgiving to influence others? David says that, when I go to praise you, all the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord. My praise will influence others. There is something about pouring your praise into other people. And I have to ask myself, Alan, what have you been pouring into other people? That's quite a mighty question, isn't it? One of great reflection. What are we pouring into other people? Our praises can be used by God to influence their spiritual condition. They can be drawn to the glory of God through our praise. When they see us giving thanks with our whole heart, whether it be done with our mouth, our actions, our wallet, whatever it is, we can influence others to see the glory and the goodness of God and be drawn to His salvation. Beloved, pour your praise into other people this week. But also there is a prophetic nature to these terms that he's david is proclaiming the coming of the kingdom and its eternal rule it it's really connects with the scripture that we use the phrase so much that one day every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that jesus christ is lord These words have a prophetic nature. Not only that our praise can influence others and we can pour our praise into other people, but also it is a prophetic nature that it's speaking of a time, of a day when the Lord returns and every knee shall bow. Every tongue will confess that He is Lord and there'll be one kingdom, one nation of God, one people loving and praising their Savior all the day long. We do it with authority. And lastly, we do it with assuredness. Verses 7 and 8, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies. 
Your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill His purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. It's as simple as the wonderful old hymn. When you give thanks to God in the now, you're doing so with assuredness that grace has brought you safe thus far. And what will lead you home? What will lead you home? Grace. Grace has brought me safe thus far. And I'll give thanks to you, Lord, because I know your grace is also going to see me all the way. It's going to lead me home. And I give thanks to you, Lord, not only for what you've done in the past in my life, not only what you're doing in the present now, but I give you thanks, Lord, because I know you've been faithful to me in the past. I know you're faithful now, and I know you have steadfast love and faithfulness, and you'll be faithful to me all the way to glory. And I give you thanks for that. There is an assuredness in our soul that we are also saved to the uttermost, that though our body has many pains and ailments and diseases and eventually death, we know that God, through Jesus Christ, not only rescues our soul from hell, but will one day raise the body up. We'll be saved to the uttermost, and we shall be like Jesus forever and ever. We give Him thanks with assuredness. He will complete the good work of redemption that He began in us. This, according to the Bible, is what it means to speak praises to God. We do it with a whole heart. We do it with boldness. We do it with humbleness. We do it with authoritativeness. We do it with assuredness. The thankful people come to their God. And yeah, there's a time to do it privately, and we must. There's a time to do it quietly, and we must. But there's a time to speak and do it openly and boldly, and we must. Come, ye thankful people, come. You remember that old hymn? The last verse of that. Even so, Lord, quickly come. Bring thy final harvest home. Gather thou thy people in. Free from sorrow, free from sin. There forever purified. In thy presence to abide. Come with all thine angels. Come raise the glorious harvest home there is a harvest that god is reaping and he's going to gather his people together as the sand upon the seashore he's preparing a place for us to do that now and upon the new heaven and the new earth when all of his enemies are destroyed and cast into hell He'll gather His harvest home of His thankful people and there forever. We shall know Him, we shall be like our Lord, and we shall praise Him and worship Him forever and ever. 
Amen.